what is going on? This is session 90 of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today, whether you're on YouTube or iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Facebook or wherever. I'm so glad you're here because I've got a really cool show lined up. My guest is Matt Koenig. He's the CEO of Buscador de Auto. Now, I don't know. You guys are going to have to comment and let me know how good my accent uh, or how awful, pitiful my accent was there. Nonetheless, really cool topic about how to lead human beings in the digital age. And it's kind of funny when you when you think about it. If you've been following the show for a while or have had the opportunity to listen to a few shows, anytime we get heavy into the concept of digital, it, it I mean, we're kind of seeing it come full circle back to just being a good human being. And for those of you that know me, know that my belief firmly rooted is that the way to succeed in business is to be a good person. So you're going to hear Matt and myself talk about how to lead human beings in the digital age. Stay tuned and uh, let's dive in. All right, here we go. Sitting down now with Matt Koenig. So uh, happy to, to call him a friend. Uh, you know, we've got a really exciting um, topic lined up for you. But Matt, thanks so much for joining me on The Dealer Playbook. Man, thanks for having me. It's been a while, man. I, I, I love the show. So I'm stoked to be back on here with you, bro. Right on. Glad, glad to have you as well. And and it, it's cool because the, the topic that you've uh, kind of submitted to talk about today immediately intrigued me because it's something that I'm so passionate about. And I'm sure I've ranted about it like for years and years. I'm pretty sure my team is sick of hearing me rant about this topic. But uh, I want to kind of lead this in because I feel like, in my observation, the internet, and for those of you listening or watching, don't take this the wrong way, okay? But I, I feel like the internet turned us into a bunch of dummies. Like, so, we, we digital just the rose in popularity, and all of a sudden we're all kind of like, how do I be a good person or how do I act around people and how do I, I don't get it. And I, you know, I, in fact, I'm, I'm working on an article right now and I'm, I've haven't published it because it's taking so long for me to like find the right groove, but it's basically like people sit down behind the keyboard and it all of us, it, it like tra- it quantum leaps them Scott Bakula style into a, into an alternate reality where all of a sudden they don't know how to exist. So my question for you is this, in your observation, what has the digital age changed in human behavior and in the way that we work with one another? That's a really good question. And there are a million things that has changed. But but first, the thing I have to address is those that don't know your reference. You were talking about Voyagers, weren't you? The show from back in the day where it was the little dial that they would turn it flipped open and then like quantum oops. leap yeah quantum oh leap. quantum leap okay you know okay, the so guy was, and he was always like ziggy every episode ziggy broke okay yeah so like the quantum leap came after voyagers with jeffrey and phineas fogg yeah, okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, that's just i'm dating myself Wait, was it a spinoff i think quantum leap was well the guy in voyagers he he i think he died the, the older uh. guy but yes, yeah, so okay, but now I'm remembering Quantum Leap, which was also a show I loved afterwards. So sorry. So speaking of the way technology has changed things, so you know, here's the thing that I've seen the most with the internet, and and, and sadly, it's changed the leadership mindset. Mm. So you know, technology, everything that we have is supposed to make us be able to connect better and deeper, faster. But I think the biggest thing that has changed is it's made people's, it's made, especially in the leadership area, it's made their brain go soft. Like, oh, well, we've got a CRM that does that. 
or our, our website should do that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, this isn't field of dreams, guys. Like it, it doesn't work on itself. So I think that's the biggest thing that's changed is we've got this mindset now that everything is going to be done for us instead of utilizing technology as a, a tool. Do you think that they're blinded because of terms that are getting thrown around a lot, like marketing automation and email automation? Is it that term that's pulling them out of context? I think so. And I, you know what I'll tell you, I think to some extent, you know, a few years ago, I would say I was very guilty of it too, right? So in looking at people's desire to, to, to be lazy, uh, we went, okay, listen, I know, and we, I, I was guilty of this year. I'm like, I know the best thing for a dealer to do back when I did video SEO. Sure. I knew the very best thing a dealer could do is go out and shoot their own video upload it to you know to YouTube and embed it on their site or upload it directly to their site but for them to do it on their own yet I knew they wouldn't do it so what did we do well we went out and you know shot a bunch of specific video that could be used in multiple dealers and then said okay you can all buy it well guess what it worked for about a year and then it was a bunch of duplicate content right so I think the reason that it's happening to dealers is because they're being the people that are selling them are going path of least resistance. They know that if you're a dealer, you want to hear easy, no work for you, just write check, you make more money, uh, and, yeah. and dealers are buying it. Yeah. And a lot of the, uh. <laughs> There's a lot of that. I mean, you know, it's amazing. I see some of, uh, you know, I'm looking at a digital dealer coming up, and I see a lot of the conferences, and you'll see, like, so many, uh, I'll call them big named dealers, you know, like well-recognized, sure. very popular names uh, that are that are speaking at these things. And you're looking at some of the things you're doing and you're going, why in the heck is this person being heralded as like a, you know, a god? Like do yeah. the math on the number of stores they have and you're going to go, wait a minute, they're underperforming relative to every other dealer out there. But, but they lump all their stores as one and now they're a superstar. And you look at the tech that they're using and you're going, they're not, they're not doing anything. So I, I, I uh, I have a real big problem <laughs> yeah. with what's going on right now with dealers and technology. It's, it's challenging. Okay, so let me ask you this because this was the, uh, the, the topic that you had submitted, um, leading human beings in the digital age. First of all, can you give us some context? What does that mean? Does it tie into what we've already talked about? And then on to the question of, well, how do you do that? Yeah, so it does tie in, and, and what I guess what I mean by that, leading human beings in a digital age is this. For some reason, we have separated out um, the human things that we've done for years, right? Meeting with our teams daily, sitting down with our salespeople, getting to know them, building a relationship, and teaching them how to do the same with a consumer. And we've, we've segregated that from email, texting, chat, Skype, video email. Sure. And so what's happened is we've gone, well, it used to be this, but now it's this instead of it used to be this. And now we have these tools that make this so much nicer. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying is that um, in this digital age, we've we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. But there's a way to lead our people back like Moses parting the Red Sea. We've got to, we can still take them to the promised land without abandoning all the tech. Okay, so. And that intrigues me. I, you know, I, I find this. So I have a digital company. I have team that's spread out all over the place. We rely on technology to keep communication open. But something that I've noticed is even though there are so many methods to communicate, 
um, and to do those things that you've just talked about, like team meetings and one-on-ones and trainings and all those sorts of things, it's it, it sounds kind of weird, but it's almost you you have to put more effort into making sure that those things happen versus being in person. And so, do you find that in, in a dealership they have access to all of these these pieces of technology that are supposed to make things easier? but they're having trouble bridging the gap between, well, wait a second, we're still in person, but we're trying to use this piece of technology that would just actually be more efficient if we did it in person still or or manually did things or what's your take on that? Well, so let's rewind time. I'll rewind time back to uh, late 90s, 2000 when I was a Nissan sales manager. And back in the day, and I'll throw back an old school name, Joe Verde training, right? So when I learned how to be a sales manager, and I'll say when I learned how to be a sales leader instead of a manager, one of the big things I learned was daily one-on-ones with your people. Now back then, and I still tell people I think it's the best way to do it, for, for a, especially in a dealership environment, but every single salesperson on the team, we had the exact same time each day. Right, and I would set aside a half an hour, and um, my part of it was, you know, basically three things: talk to me about yesterday, talk to me about the game plan today, and what do you need from me to help you be successful, right? And but I would block a half, so I would take, you know, ten minutes, five minutes, but I would block a half an hour, you know, in case they needed to unload, you know, uh, unburden themselves, share some concerns, share some ideas, whatever they wanted to do, right? But it, it showed them that they were valuable to me. Now that's back then. Today, we, I, I mean, everybody in the office, we all communicate with each other. But I'll give you an example. Like back then, every client you met face-to-face when you sold a car, right, stuff like that. Now, today, we've got eh, five, six, seven people in our office. Not a lot. Um, we all talk. We see each other throughout the day a little bit in the mornings. Our guys on the phone are in the downstairs part of the building. Then you get myself, Tim, Chris, our office manager. We're up here in the upstairs part of the building. But we have office chat open all day long, right? So, you know, uh, so the guys don't have to hike up two flights of stairs to have a conversation. They can just message back and forth. But our, our lines of communication feel open. Now, that's in the same building, and we still aren't talking face-to-face every time we talk. But we utilize technology in a way for the purpose of making it easier. We don't have the big conversations and the important ones via office chat. We all pull together at the table and we, like a family and we talk. Now, granted, in, in-house, in everyone that works here is either a friend or a family member. So we don't we don't hire people that we don't know in our, mm-hmm. in our building because a relationship and trust to us is valuable. Now, flip that to the to our customer side, right? Here's how we use technology. 90% of the clients that we have, we have never met face-to-face. Everything that we've done to bring them on was done utilizing technology via web meeting, but not the lazy way. We didn't just throw crap in an email, look it over, and if you like it, tell us. We set up a meeting, we have a dialogue with them, we get to know them, we ask questions, we build a relationship. So I think a lot of what's happened is that instead of utilizing these tools and to circle way back and sorry if I digress, but a lot of these tools that were designed to help us be able to be closer, like for me, office chat is designed uh, to make it efficient for our guys. If they have a quick question, we can serve their needs and we can do it quickly without, you know, expecting them to spend half an hour or whatever. Right. But I think we've, um, we've taken it and we've, we've almost utilized technology to distance ourselves from people as opposed to using it to bring them closer and build a relationship. Okay, so in your observation working with dealerships, what's an example of this happening at the dealership level? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is live chat. But I, I mean, you know, we're, we're told that live chat is a good thing. 
is that is that an example of something that is distancing the the real life relationship that needs to happen? Sometimes it can be, especially if you're outsourcing your live chat to someone who's not even in your store or somebody in India, you know, managed chat. I know there's pros and cons and arguments, you know, that everybody who sells managed chat has a great argument for why you should have it. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll, t I'll give you a great real world example. You know, in, in the dealership, um, we have BDCs, right? Mm -hmm. So BDCs, a uh, business development center, nine out of 10 of them don't develop any business. They're a call, call answering center, email responding center. Now, I'm sure this is going to make you know a few BDC managers butthurt, but I really don't care about their feelings. I care about them getting better. And here's the thing. We created BDCs to say we're going to make it more efficient. We're going to process things faster. But here's what we really did. We went, well, our salespeople aren't following up well. They're not doing well on the phone. So rather than educating them, rather than me as a leader sitting down with my people and leading them and helping better them as a human being, I'm like, well, let's just put in a BDC and let them set all the appointments and then hand them over so that I can have a trained monkey walk around a car, sit in the passenger seat on a test drive and go, you want to buy it? I mean, that's what we've done. So when I say like leadership, to me, all of this goes back to a leadership problem. In the dealership, I think the reason that stuff happens that way to the consumer and chat and stuff being so distanced and quick and any more questions is because we don't take the time to actually sit down and talk to our people anymore in the dealership. Most, most people in a quote unquote leadership title role are not, not even close to being a leader. They are managing problems, managing advertising, and firefighting. Man, they're not leading anybody anywhere. They go in, they sit, they sit at their desk or sit in the tower, and they come to work to wait for something to manage, and that causes their salespeople to do the same thing. Does that make sense? I mean, it, yeah. And my mind was moving on. Okay, I, I know there are uh, people watching this. They're listening in, and they're going, okay. I can see that we're kind of in this same boat. Things are kind of getting out of control. What you just said about sitting down with the team uh, or on the flip side of the desk, being the salesperson or the, the employee or team member initiating a conversation, is that the first step in saying, hey, look, we, we've got to do this more often? Uh, is that the first step to pulling it back in or what would you say the course of action would need to be to kind of tie this, kind of bring it all together again so that it's working properly? I think the first step is we have to be honest about where we're at, right? So if you're if you're in a, a business, in a dealership, uh, whatever, you sell cars, boats, RVs, real estate, it doesn't matter. If you're in a company where you've got people, the first thing you got to do is stop and be honest with yourself and we've got to set our ego on the shelf. Now that might sound weird coming from a guy who's pretty arrogant, egotistical often, but I, but I do recognize it as being the fact that we have to do. So we've got to stop and go, okay, what's not working right now? And here's what I would say. If I come to you and you're the leader of a dealership and I, and you're, you, let's say you're the, you're the general manager. And I said, let me ask you this. What are the top three things that are the most important in the lives of your sales managers? And if you can't answer that as a GM, you're a failure. Because you don't know yeah. your people. And if you're a sales manager and I say, let me ask you this, for every one of the salespeople that you lead on your team, if I were to ask you what is the most important thing in each of their lives, what are they working for? 
What is it? And if you can't, and I'm not saying you have to have it memorized. You may have it written down because you spend time with them and you listen. But if you don't, if you can't go, well, you know what? Here's what I know. I know that Chris loves real estate. I know he's got multiple properties right now. I know he's got one house that he's about to finish. And I and I know what that's going to do for him when that house flips. I know he's got another one that he just bought. I know we just looked at motorcycles together because he's passionate about getting back and riding. So I can tell you what fires him up, man. If you can't do that, you're no leader. So step one is you got to recognize and be honest and go, here's where I'm failing. I don't know my people. 90% of the time, that's the case. They only know their person's resume and last month's results. They don't know their people. So that's step one is you got to stop and get to know your people. And step two is this. you got to stop lying to them all. And uh, here's what I mean. Uh, dealers are liars. And uh, sales managers are liars when they hire people. And now I don't mean they're deceptive in how they sell cars. But to their employees, they tell them things like this. This is your own business. You're your own business person. Your success and failure is up to you. You're, what a freaking, trying not to swear in your show. What an <laughs> effing lie. Really? Because yeah. when there's snow on the ground, yeah. it, uh, if you say to me, let's go broom cars, and I go, dude, I'm not burning cars. my own business. Let's get some porters out here to do it. What are you going to say? No, we all broom cars. Well, wait a minute. I'm not getting paid a salary or hourly. I'm the commissioned salesperson. I make my living being on the phone, building relationships and getting appointments. And I can't do that when I'm in snow gear spending three hours brewing snow off cars. Oh, it's not my own business. What you're telling me is I'm a free employee and I get to use your inventory. And if I sell stuff, I get a percentage of it. Like, let's just be honest. Dealers are not. They're lying to people. So either tell your people, you work for me, you're going to give me some free labor in the snowy season, you're going to give me some free labor when we move the cars because we don't care enough about you to let you be a business person, and we'd rather not pay another $8 an hour employee, right? So first, got to know your people. Second, well, I guess first would be you got to stop lying when you're hiring them. But you got to know your people, you got to be honest with your people, and you've got to treat them like adults. Now, that being said, once you've got them on your team, there, there are things you have to do to be a great leader, but those are the places to start to pull it back together, right? You've got them on your team. Hey, let's let's be honest with them. Let's get to know them because once we know them, then we can start mapping out goals based on what they want. Then we can sit down and do right. all those things. Yeah. It, well, it, you know what's interesting to me is there are several episodes now, past episodes of the show rolling through my brain and it's funny whether we're speaking with you or you know other guests on the show. Um, whenever we ask a question about okay, how do we fix the most important problems at the dealership? It always comes back to the leader first being self-aware, you know, and identifying or performing an audit of okay, where can we actually improve? Where are the breakdowns? What can we do to change those things? And you know what you said uh, as step two, um, you know, stop lying. Um, that's really, I, I mean, that's kind of eye-opening even for me because I can recount scenarios where I might have said the same thing to, to you know, the quote-unquote salespeople on my team where it's like, wait, you have all these expectations of them as an employee, but you also have expectations of them as a quote-unquote business person. Um, yep. But you can't really, you can't be self-employed and and want the benefits of an employee or, or you know, whatever it is. So, so that's really impressive. But I mean, everything kind of comes back to this concept of you pull things back by being a better leader and a better leader is not a manager or a manager of problems. It's about getting to know your team, being a part of their life in a way that's a, I guess, a mentoring role. 
um, y- you know, being somebody that they respect. I-, I learned years ago, actually one of my mentors um, taught me that a well-respected leader is better than a good friend. That's a great saying, man. It really is. So it- it's more about not being a manager, being a leader, not being a friend, being a leader. And you, you pull things back together, it creates a culture inside the store that people buy into. And as they've bought into it, then they're ultimately able to create a better experience for the customer. Well, it go, yeah, it goes back to like, so people always talk about old school and new school, like old school leaders. Oh, they want to do this and they want to do that. And everything's, you know, this is this or but new school is so detached. Like everybody has this like they feel like it's either one or the other. Right. And, and it's it's a tricky thing to navigate when we make it tricky. Right. But here's the reality. The, we have to look at the why to understand what's going on here. And the why is this. The why is that leaders view themselves as a boss. And here's the thing, dude, throughout history, and I said this at the Rockstar Auto Conference that we put on uh, because I was talking about leadership there. So when we talk about leading people in a digital age, there's one thing that doesn't change, and that's this. We have to have a servant mindset, right? A leader is not your boss. Now, when they speak, there's an authority that comes with it, but it's not an authority out of fear. It's an authority out of knowing that they have your best interests in mind and they're leading you to the, for lack of a better phrase, to the promised land, right? They're leading you in the right direction. Right. Um, Jim Ziegler and I were doing a, a, an interview together somewhere and, and he was like, you know, but people know I'm the manager. When I talk, they'll listen. And I said, and I think though what you mean by that is because they know you've walked the path and got the results, they will yeah. choose yeah. to listen. Because you're not a leader if people don't want to follow you. And if you look throughout history, and going back even like a bi- biblically, for example, Jesus was a, like the example of the best leader, the best marketer, the best everything, right? He spoke, people listened, people piled on a hill, people ate together, people sat down together. But how did he behave? Dude, he washed people's feet. Like, and for those that don't really understand, understand the, the, the implications behind that, and so yeah. that, that's not even a biblical thing. That's just a, a, a period thing, right? For the time period back then, yeah. you know, people walked around in sandals. Uh, it was a dusty climate. People had very dirty feet. When they would come to your home, a servant would wash their feet before they would come into your home and sit and eat with you. And here's a guy that was, because, you know, being uh, recognized as a, as a king, as a messiah, whatever people wanted to call him, right? Sure. It doesn't matter religious beliefs. They shake it off and just listen to this part here's someone who is highly regarded and and he sits down he's doing the servant job yeah in a leadership role in a dealership environment we need to learn how to wash people's feet again when we bring someone on we need to realize if we serve them if we wash their feet if we put them first we're going to reap the rewards as well and so the mindset what's screwing it up with digital is we think we're their boss rather than being there to serve them and help them succeed. So we start putting processes in place rather than understanding that person and creating a process that will actually bring a benefit to them and help them serve the customer well. Since we don't serve our people, our people don't view the customer as someone to serve. They view them as someone to get something from, to get a sale from, to get money from. And why? Well, because we view them as an employee to get work from, to get sales from, to get money from. It starts here. Well, I say here, just in a hierarchy pyramid. Yeah. It starts with leader. I serve you. That sets an example. You serve the customer. It reminds me of, um, you know, a few years ago, I was chatting, again, another mentor of mine, I was chatting with him. And 
you know, everything you've said reminds me of, of a, I think, the word that sums this up, and it's stewardship. And I remember I was chatting with this individual, uh, and um, I said, you know, I, I have really high hopes for the, the people that I have stewardship over. And I thought I was being clever using the word stewardship. And he said, you don't, he says, change the word. And I said, which word? Stewardship? He said, no, over. He said, you don't have stewardship over anybody. You have a stewardship for people. And that's kind of the thought process that's going through my mind right now as you've been sharing about how to be a good leader. It is that you you have a stewardship for your team, and that stewardship is to build them, motivate them, lift them, train them. Um, you know, you know the term I, I'm thinking of is like it, to to sucker them. How can I sucker them? In other words, not sucker like s u c k e r, but s u c c o r. How do I <laughs> how do I help bring them? them in? How do I bring them in so that they can achieve their potential? Bingo. See, see, now that word, so that's a word that I really had to do a paradigm shift on potential. And and I no longer say to people, you have a lot of potential. Because sure. and I, I learned this uh, in 2000. I was a, a sales manager at that Nissan store. And I had a, a gentleman work for me. I'm like in late 20s, 29, 30 years old. And I've got a, oh gosh, I guess I was 25 years old. Boy, I feel real old now. So I was like 25 and I'm, I'm a sales manager at a store. We grew 67% in gross profit, 42% in unit sales. We were firing on all 12 cylinders, um, which meant three Nissans. Um, we were doing well. And uh, and Mark, who looked like Jack Nicholson, uh, we always called him Jack, but uh, his name was Mark. And he, he came and sat down with me and you know just buttoned up, really great dude. And he's, he, you know, he's like, man, you're, you're doing such a great job, man. I appreciate you. You know, best manager I've ever worked for. And I'm, I mean, this is so flattering, right? Like, and I'm an emotional kid, so I'm nearly in tears. And he goes, you know, you've got a lot of potential. Uh, and I go, well, thank you. He goes, that wasn't a compliment. Potential means you have a lot of talent you're not using. And he goes, and you can sit there and have all that potential for the rest of your life, or you can figure out a way to do something better with it. And I can tell you right now, staying here and sitting in this chair, you're never going to do anything better with it. And that kind of woke me up to realizing what I wasn't doing. I said, well, you know, I, I thanked him and I said, you know, help me understand what I'm not doing that I could be doing. And it was a really good dialogue. And that's the other thing a lot of leaders don't do. You know, I think there's three key things, right? One, you got to inspire your people. Steve Jobs inspired people in spite of his butthole trades that he had here and there. The guy inspired people. Even when they didn't like him sometimes, he inspired them so much they wanted to take action, right? Uh, sometimes action to leave because they couldn't stand up. But it, it, right. he inspired. But, this, but, but listening to people is what a lot of leaders just don't do. Listening to those that come before us. But if you want to be a good leader in a digital age, you've got to listen to the people that are on your team because they've got ideas. But if you listen well enough, they'll tell you how to lead them better. We just have to open our ears, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and if we're if we're serving them, we'll want to do that, right? I, dude, I mean, this is something that I feel like I could talk about uh, for another two hours. Um, really, everything we've talked about. I, I mean, the the concept of the title is intriguing, right? How to lead human beings in the digital age. And I know a lot of people are listening to this going, yes, digital age, how do I do it? <laughs> but what we've really discovered is the best way is to be, is to first real remember that you're a human being and to connect with 
and build relationships of trust with other human beings. Really the irrelevant side of this is digital age. Digital is the tool to help you do it. And here's a great example. You know Mike Davenport, right? Louisville Chevy Yeah. I was out in Las Vegas with Mike when we were a digital dealer. And we are downtown on Fremont Street. It is evening. Everybody is ready for a fun night on Fremont Street, right? Right. We're all just ordered drinks and Mike gets a phone call. Said, guys, I got to go. Oh, correction. He got a Facebook message. He said, guys, I got to go. I've got a client that's picking us up. He's buying a Corvette from me. Uh, I'll be back. He leaves. Now, this guy sent a Bentley with a driver to pick him up. Takes him back to his house. Mike came back about two and a half hours later after playing the guy's $400,000 race car simulator. Mike came back with a $30,000 deposit on a vet that he ordered for the guy. Now, here's why I share this. Because Mike has some characteristics of, of how a, his boss – here, I'm going to give Mike's boss credit who I've never met. Mike's boss allows Mike to be an adult and a business professional. Mike is doing business – remotely. Mike's, Mike doesn't have to sit at the dealership all day sure. to generate business. Yeah. And so being a good leader in a digital age, I think we need, to, we need to also realize while we need to build that human connection with our people, we also need to give them the freedom to not sit in our company. You know, if you've got somebody who their job is to do stuff on social media and things like that, why do they need to sit in your store? They don't. If you've got a great salesperson who's doing 25, 30 cars a month and almost all of them are orders, why do they need to take up office space in your dealership? Right. Let them work from home. Yeah. They can access your website and your inventory from their house in their pajamas. Yeah. You know, if you're a good leader, then you've inspired and taught your people in a way that they don't need you breathing over their shoulders. So when I say in a digital age, I truly mean we do need to utilize some of those tools, Facebook Messenger, uh, texting, iMessage, all those things to allow our people to go and be a professional. We no longer need to lord over them. Yeah. We never really needed to anyway. But yeah. now we really don't have a reason to. Because look at you and I. You're yeah. you're in Canada. I'm in Kalamazoo, well, Portage, Michigan. And here we are having a face-to-face meeting as friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Love it. Yes. I mean, this is such a good conversation. I think this is going to be one of those conversations that we have over the next, like, three years. Because it'll just be like, it'll just pick up again every time we see each other in person. Um, you know, in winding down, I want to just turn it over to you. How can uh, how can listeners and viewers get in touch with you specifically? Um, some of the best ways. I mean, uh, obviously, they can go to our website if they want. Uh, BDAspanish.com. It's, it's Buscador de Auto, but since many folks can't spell Spanish stuff, BDAspanish.com is our company website. But if they want to connect with me, if they just go on Facebook and look up Matt Koenig, that's M-A-T-K-O-E-N-I-G, uh, they'll find me on there. And uh, on Twitter, it's at K-O-N-I-G-C-O. Um, every day I do a Facebook live stream on my uh, public figure page as well as a Periscope that pops on Twitter. So yeah, trying to keep people educated and informed and inspired. However, the, the caveat to sending a friend request to Matt Koenig is that if you do not show that you are employed somewhere specifically and if it's not a real place, dude, he ain't friending you. That's all I can say. I saw, the, I saw it. 
I'm not, you know, it's funny. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you, speaking of that, so it's funny that you bring it up, my friend. I, um, I'm really not accepting anybody right now uh, at all. I, I, everybody just connects with me on my public figure page. Uh, that's Spearbilt for me. I manage it just like my Facebook, but I'm really trying to uh, bring back to Facebook to the personalized level because uh, it's so inundated with marketing. Listen, there are people that are big named people yeah. that just they, they just got rocket launched off Facebook and they don't even know it. Yeah. But let me just, I, can, if you don't mind, can I can I give a shout out of a great leadership example? Absolutely. So in this digital age, so Grant Cardona, somebody who I've learned from since the 90s, like when I sucked as a salesperson, uh, in 1995, I got turned on to Grant Cardone training, uh, first first day of 1995, and uh, it's what really turned my career around at first when I was young, and then I managed to screw it up later and then get back on. But uh, so we did this Rockstar Auto Conference at the beginning of March, and Grant flew up with Elena and Scarlett and Sabrina uh, and flew up and spoke to all these folks. Now, here's why this is a big deal, because he did it. In his jet with his money. He didn't ask us for one solitary penny to do this. And what did he do? He was going to come in and just do a Q&A session. Well, he saw right. how hungry these people were to learn. And as a leader, he spent an hour with these folks, man. Now, he took pictures with every single person. He took a photo one by one. with with we, we only had a small intimate group local and a couple thousand that watched online. But he had 70 people he stopped, took the time to take personal photos with. And then not only... Pumped him up, shared some great business practices, but then he took time to do a Q&A until every person was done. That to me is a great example because here's a guy that's digitally everywhere, but he understands that the most powerful thing in the world is a relationship. And he flew up and did that. Dude, epic example of a rock star leader. Cardone is. And uh, as much as people say, you know, he's crazy, he's, you know, he's fluff, he's, he's so over the top, it's all attention. Yeah. Truth be told, man, the guy's got a heart of gold and he brought his whole family, uh, oh, on his birthday, nonetheless. It was his birthday. Yes, I remember seeing that, yeah. he spent the money and flew up and did that for us just to be a friend. And mind you, he and I, like, we would hang out and had dinner. Like, we're not besties. Yeah. You know, I'm not, like, to me, he's been more of a mentor and a mentor from a distance like Tony Robbins is. Yeah, yeah. And he came and did that for us. So there's a great example of a, of a good leader in the digital age, man. Love it. Matt, great. thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook today. Oh, thank you. It's a total privilege. I really appreciate it, Mike. Keep rocking and rolling and, uh, you know, kudos to you and Flex Dealer and everything you guys are doing. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. And that was Matt Koenig, CEO of Buscador de Auto. No, seriously, I want to know how my accent is there. Uh, you know, really cool episode. Some of the things that stood out to me is the fact that, again, it's about being a good human being. It's about connecting with your team. It's about the people who are, quote unquote, in charge, being really invested in shaping the culture. You know, I've I've had the opportunity uh, in my career to, to watch a lot of cool companies rise and then kind of plateau and then start to like dip a little bit because the leadership wasn't invested in the team. And, you know, you might have some really good team members who are, um, 
you know, really invested and who are helping shape the culture or have helped you build the company for which you might feel a ton of gratitude for. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're the leader, you're the one that's still steering the ship. And so it's so important for you as the leader to enhance the culture, to make uh, your workplace somewhere that's enjoyable. Because we, look, we all know when you can make an enjoyable atmosphere, for your team when you can show that you're invested in them and that you care about them and that you're shaping a culture of positivity and of growth that has a positive effect on the bottom line you might not be able to track it specifically through metrics or log into your google analytics account or something like that but you will see an increase in customer satisfaction you will see an increase in you know positive reviews and those sorts of things so it's definitely something for you to think about my thanks to matt canning for joining me on the show today if you want to check out the show notes and get linked up with matthew canning dude i don't know if you <laughs> likes being called matthew or not but whatever www.thedealerplaybook.com forward slash 990. And you know what? I never talk about this, but if you haven't had a chance to check out my best-selling book, Don't Wait, Dominate, definitely go do that. MichaelACirillo.com forward slash book. I would love for you to check it out. Maybe, who knows, we'll run a contest. And for those of you who submit an iTunes review, screen grab it and send it to Michael at thedealerplaybook.com. I might just toss you out a free signed copy. How about that? There you go, guys. That's the Dealer Playbook. Do me a favor this week. Keep the playbook open and dominate.